0: Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money and work less so you can enjoy having your ideal business and your ideal life. This is Ann Backrack. Today, we have a special guest with us who's going to share her very valuable insight and ideas about being even more time efficient as it relates to finding the best A-team player or players for you so you can accelerate the achievement of your goals. In 2017, Nicole Bandis founded Virtual A-Team, a virtual services agency helping overwhelmed business owners who want to define success by the wealth of their lives, not by the size of their bank accounts. Nicole now walks the walk by working less than 20 hours a week herself. When she is working, she shares tips to work less and make more by delegating smarter. Welcome Nicole, I appreciate you joining us.
1: Thank you so much, I'm really glad to be here.
0: Well, you know, I like to get right into the meat of things. So no matter how efficient we are now, being even more productive and better at time management is obviously something that we all need to work on to some degree. So how do we become even better delegators so that we're really only doing what we can do and can't be done by anybody else.
1: You know, this is such a pertinent topic for us in this day and age, especially with the virtual world kind of opening up and all of a sudden we have so many more opportunities to delegate to people that we never knew or had access to in the past. But one of the things that's sort of an interesting uh, challenge around this is that we were never taught to delegate. In fact, just the opposite. Uh, In school, you were probably, you know, even if you had a group project, it was make sure that you stay in your lane. Don't copy from somebody else's paper. You know, don't uh, don't plagiarize. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so we sort of learned to stay in our own bubble and not to work with other people so we never learned the basic skills of how do i give a project or task over to somebody how do i get them to have enough information to complete something without them being mind readers i mean honestly if if we could like be mind readers, it would be amazing. And we would just nail everybody's project, but that's not a possibility. <laughs> We'd be making a whole lot more money if it was. Uh, so, so there's some basic foundations of why people struggle to delegate and not knowing how to do it is one of them. So the first sort of thing that I would suggest is learn a, a system of assigning tasks, and that system can be as simple as knowing the, the pieces of information you want to share. You want to share what's the big idea, what's the concept behind what this task is involving. If you don't share this information, the individual that is receiving it is not going to be able to think outside the box and troubleshoot if something comes up. Uh, so an example here might be if you ask somebody to go get your oil changed and you simply say, go, you know, go get my oil changed. That's the task. They don't know that you're driving a super high performance sports car. And when you when they get to the dealership and the dealership says we're out of high performance oil, um, they're like, OK, well, just use whatever you got, because they don't know that the big picture is you want to take care high quality care of this vehicle uh, and make sure that it only has the very best possible. The next is giving them permission to make those decisions. So there might be some things that they're going to have to come back to you for like, hey, they don't have this really high quality motor oil, but they do have something that is comparable, but it's an off brand. It's not the brand you usually get. Is that okay? you can let them know ahead of time, as long as it meets these parameters, you have permission to make that decision. And then the following is just kind of giving them the the, the details that might be involved. We need to have three quarts of oil added, I, I, that might be way too much for a car, I don't know, I don't know how much car it takes, but you know, <laughs> we might need, you know, three quarts of oil added, it, should be with synthetic oil, you know, it needs to meet these qualifications. And so give them as much detail as possible. And this is something that we often forget because we have all the detail in our head and we forget to get it out on paper or we forget to share all of the detail because it's just natural to us. Does that all make sense? Absolutely, it
0: does. And then in the meantime, Hopefully, they're actually taking notes so when they have to go get the oil changed again, they already have the process written down. Wouldn't that be the best way to do it?
1: Well, and the the way to make sure that that happens is to let them know, what I'd like you to do is to document the steps that are involved here so that the next time I don't have to spell everything out to you. One mistake we often make is to assume, well, of course, they're going to just document all that stuff so they don't have to duplicate it. Never, ever assume because they might be thinking, well, this person is on a a bit of a tight budget and they don't want me to go outside of the scope of what they're telling me to do. So therefore, I'm not going to take the time to document these things unless they specifically tell me to do so. Uh, So that could be one of those adding the details to ensure that you're not assuming they're going to do something and they're assuming you don't want them to do it.
0: Couldn't that actually be set into the parameters within the organization that everything does get documented and processes get created when they start working there? So everybody just knows that that would be something important to do. Is that a possibility?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, There's a lot of things that we can establish at the beginning and say, okay, here, whenever we do something new, we want this done or we want it to be communicated in this way. Uh, And what a lot of business owners fail to do is take the time to establish those parameters at the very beginning. What we see a lot is that a business owner gets so overwhelmed that they are in a rush to hire somebody and just they, they end up, um, you know, proverbially vomiting all over the person to say, just do this stuff. And they're not taking the time to establish these parameters or setting up boundaries or, you know, getting them trained in a way that says, here's the voice of our brand. Here's how we do things. Here's our culture. They just say please get this off my plate. I don't want to have to deal with it anymore. So that's one of the big mistakes with delegating and why we see that it doesn't work often because it's too much too fast. Uh, And so I'm, I'm, You know, I always encourage people to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, take the process a lot slower than you think that it needs to go. uh, Because when you do so, you are preparing them to be long term team members instead of uh, getting frustrated with the process. And either you let them go or they leave because it's just not working for anybody.
0: Yeah, I've worked with staff before, and they can get very frustrated with their bosses because they're trying to be helpful, but the boss isn't letting them be helpful. Right. That happens a lot. So how do we determine if hiring a virtual assistant versus a person in-house is better or not in today's world?
1: You know, I, I will tell you that... In most situations, there is no reason why you cannot hire a virtual assistant. Um, the the exceptions would be if there are certain pieces of paperwork or physical things that are required for that to be touching, then uh, then of course you want somebody in house. Or um, and virtual versus remote, um, or you know, in-house versus remote, they, you can still have an in-house person that works remotely. Uh, so that's an option as well. They don't necessarily, when we say in-house, that doesn't necessarily mean they need to work directly in an office of yours. Uh, but they could still be an employee. So the employee might be more of a necessity. If you have specific hours that they have to work or specific processes that they need to follow to a T, and you want more control over what and how they do things. Virtual assistants, freelancers and contractors, as we call them, They are required by U.S. law to have a little bit of flexibility in what they do. So that might be a little bit of flexibility in their hours. It might be a little bit of flexibility with the software tools that they're using. Um, But because they are considered an independent contractor, there are limits on what you can control uh, within their work schedule and that kind of thing. That being said, there's a lot of things that you can just say, hey, I want to work with an independent contractor, but here's some boundaries that I really do need to enforce. I need you to be available between 9 and 5. Maybe not every single hour between 9 to 5, but uh, I need to be able to reach out and connect with you. Uh, So there are certain things that you can work around that. But if you want that more control and that more you know, authority over their schedule and their day and all those kind of details, then uh, hiring an employee, whether it's an in-house or remote employee, would probably be a better bet for you.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then what is the best way to actually vet an agency, for example, who's trying to find us the best virtual assistant for our business, So what should we be asking? What should they be asking us? What should we be expecting from them? What should they be expecting from us? Can you shed a little light on that? Yeah,
1: all agencies work a little bit different. So some of them are gonna match you with a VA and then they're gonna step out and not be directly involved in that process. Some are going to be a little bit more hands on where, you know, you can always go back to them and say, hey, this one's not working out or I need to add another one. Um, So what we find at Virtual A Team is a lot of our clients they don't want to do the management. They just want to have somebody that they can go to and say, hey, I, I know I need a team. It's an intermittent team. You know, sometimes I'll need a graphic designer. Sometimes I'll need a website person. Sometimes I need an admin to do, you know, uh, bookkeeping or whatever. But it I don't need any of those individuals for a full time role. And I don't want to have to manage all those people. So They'll come to virtual A team or similar types of agencies because we specifically do the management for them. So it's really important to know what your limitations are, what you're looking for, what you do and don't like to control within your own business. you know, other clients are like, well, you you guys wouldn't be a great fit for us because I actually want to be directly involved in every step of the process rather than handing something off to somebody and saying, you have authority to get this job done. You guys have the experience. Go at it. Um, so it's really knowing about your own personality and your management style and discussing that with the various agency options to find out if that's a fit with those types of agencies.
0: Boy, I don't know anybody that likes to actually manage anyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there aren't too many out there. There are a couple. We have run across a few of them, but there aren't too many for sure.
0: You know, I know a lot of people that want things done when they want it done and they want it done right, but I don't know that anybody actually enjoys or really wants to manage people, no matter how many people they've managed in their lifetime, I don't know that anybody actually enjoys that whole process. But uh, you said you know a few people. I've just never met one. So <laughs> I think having somebody, you know, manage the people, as long as there's expectations and boundaries and things like that communicated, that should be something that that a firm like yours would be able to handle, right?
1: Right, right, and that's really what it's about. Is is our um, our business managers work directly with the clients to understand those big pictures? You know what we were talking about at the very beginning. What are the goals? What are the objectives? You know what are all of the details so that the business manager can then convey that. We sort of think of them almost as like a VA whisperer, so. Business people don't we don't become entrepreneurs because we're great at managing people like you said. So having somebody that's kind of an intermediary in there, a VA whisperer that can pull the information from the client and knows how to ask all of the right questions and then is able to convey that information to the team members so that they can produce a high quality product is uh, it's kind of a, a special skill because the clients don't always know how to talk to the VA's. They don't know how to pull the information from their heads and the VA's are the, the experts don't always know how to communicate with the clients and ask the right questions because their skill set is graphic design. It's not communication or it's, um, you know, copywriting. It's not, uh, well, if it's copywriting, it's probably a little bit of communication, but (laughs) you you understand the sort of gist there. You know, there's a a different skill set around being able to pull the information that's necessary from the client and. And communicating that effectively to the team members that are actually going to produce that information. Oh, that's gotta be an art because communicating exactly what you
0: want probably takes a lot of iterations to go through, I would imagine.
1: Yes, and having the patience to go through that. Um, you know, so a lot of times our business managers are going back to the client saying, This is the first iteration. If it is not perfect, that is okay. We need to start somewhere so that we have a good sense of what you're looking for. Um, As an example, we have a client right now who we're working with creating a new logo design for her. She She didn't have a logo from the start. And so this is a whole new world. She has no idea what it entails to create a logo. And we created some, you know, I think we created like five or eight very rough concepts for her. But we communicated to her, these are just rough concepts so that we can get a sense of where your aesthetic is going for this. And then once she gave us her feedback, we kind of combined some of those things and gave her a second draft concepts. So that we're narrowing that down. But if a graphic artist and a client just sort of say, okay, here's what you want, here's what I'm going to give you, and the client just thinks, well, that's it, I don't like any of these, not I have the flexibility to go back and and still get a second or a third draft um, to fine-tune these things, or the graphic artist puts in a tremendous amount of time creating a quote-unquote final version only to have the client say, that's – not what I was looking for at all. There is a process and our virtual business managers can help that process along for our clients so that they are put at ease and they understand what that process is supposed to look like.
0: Give me a general idea of what we should expect to pay for a virtual assistant based on what we need. I know that's a really big question, but if you could just break it down, like, you know, I don't know, graphic design, for example, versus some kind of administrative support versus whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you, it, it the, yes, the answer is it depends um, greatly. Uh, you can get Filipino VAs for usually around 10 or 15 dollars an hour these days. However, one thing that we found a lot with the Filipino VAs is you do need to do a lot more management. You need to really hold their hand. You need to be willing to talk them through very specific systems or processes and allow them to kind of be the burger flipper of the fast food restaurant where they know exactly what to do every single time if you want somebody who is going to be able to be a little more thinking outside the box a little bit more proactive and helpful then you're gonna want to you're probably going to be paying closer to the range of 25 to 30 an hour Uh, now remembering that when you're paying these individuals they're they're considered independent contractors so you're not having to pay overtime you're not having to pay benefits or vacation time or anything like that so a lot of what you would otherwise be paying if they were an employee is is covered by them being an independent contractor so you don't have expenses on top of the hourly rate that you're paying and then you know for some of the higher level expert skill services those can range from fifty dollars on up to 150 sometimes 200 an hour our virtual business managers, we generally are going to be looking in the range of around 75 an hour because they bring that ability to really manage people and do that communication. and something that's a high level skill that's that's not easily found out there. So it ranges. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it
0: does. So. For example, now, am I paying the virtual assistant through your agency a certain amount? Let's say we'll just use graphic design because we were talking about that before with the logo. And then I'm paying the manager in addition to them. So I'm actually paying for two people. Is that right?
1: Well, different agencies are going to work differently. Some will work on a tiered basis. Uh, So you're paying a different individual at a different rate. Virtual A team, we do a flat project management rate across uh, a monthly basis, we do a monthly retainer, and depending on what level of service you want, you would pay that monthly retainer, and that covers all of the hours, so it would cover everything that your project manager does, it covers everything that all of the experts would do, and everything in between, as well as covering, we, uh, We add extras like we cover the SOP costs, so we're always documenting all of our services and processes. We cover things like if somebody has to leave the team or is unavailable or we send them on a vacation, we cover the cost to make sure that that we have somebody trained to cover their time. That's not an expense that you would have to eat. Um, So we have a lot of extras built into that project management retainer rate. Uh, But we look at it as it's easier for our clients to budget one flat rate per month than it is to try and manage. Okay, well, now I've got to figure out how many hours do I need this person for and how many do I need that person for? We tried that. Wasn't that effective? So um, we do the flat rate. Now,
0: I've had so many people I know who have not had good luck with either individual VAs or a VA agency. What do you think is the best way for us to navigate the situation initially?
1: Take time. Be willing to have the patience to really ensure that you are communicating your specific needs to the team start them out on some trial projects, something that is not high risk for you, because a lot of times what happens is you're like, oh my gosh, I have this huge program that I wanna launch next week and I need somebody like three weeks ago. So there's a lot of pressure on everybody involved to to, produce something in a very short amount of time that's not realistic to do. Whereas if you say, you know what, let's take on, um, you know, the blog management and we'll start getting you onboarded with that. Or let's take on the email management and let's start getting you onboarded with that and meet with your team members on a regular basis so that you can communicate. And I I'm a big fan of using Zoom or those kind of tools so that you are really connecting with your your team and having those conversations. They're getting to know who you are and what your needs and expectations are. And we have a a tool that we use in-house that is sort of called we call them training wheels. And what this is, is it allows the the team members to ask questions in a way that is going to empower them to ask future questions. So here's the idea. Here's, um, let's say we'll go back to that oil changing um, scenario because it's nice and easy. The, the team member goes to the, the, the dealership, finds out that the oil is not available that um, they usually use. So they send a message to the car owner to say, this oil is not available, however, this is available, and that's what I would suggest that we go forth with. The the car owner then can then say, yes, that's a great suggestion, let's go with it, or no, and here's why I don't want to go with that. So it's a continual education process, but it's encouraging the team members to make those decisions and then just get them verified to make sure that they're on the right track. Okay, that sounds good. Now,
0: what do I do if I have somebody that's been working for me for, let's say, anywhere between five and 15 years, who actually has helped me take my business from where I was to where where I am today, but they don't have the skills or the desire to do what it takes to help me take my business to the next level, what do you recommend I say to them so I can transition them out to bring in somebody new who can actually then help me take my business to the next level?
1: Mm, This is a great question. So there's a few things that you could do to handle this, Uh, and it depends on, you know, the kind of relationship that you have with the individual one of the things that i would first say is sit down with them and talk to them about what their goals are you may actually find out that they are ready to transition out anyway and it's just been your hesitation to let them go and they keep thinking oh she needs me i don't want to disappoint her there have that open conversation and find out where both of you are in that process that is absolutely step one if you find out that She does want to stay on the team. uh, And you're like, well, okay, you're you're not a great fit for the role that I have you in right now because I see that role is growing past where you're comfortable with. Is there another place that you can put her in? And if not, if you're like, really, I, I only have the budget for one person and this person doesn't fit anymore. Is there a place that you can refer her to still get those hours and give her that amazing recommendation to say, hey, I can't utilize this person anymore, but I think she'd be fabulous in your organization and, and doing that matchmaking process. In the the meantime, whatever decision is made there, you want to ensure that she is beginning to document all of the processes that she handles on a regular basis. So, And this can be as simple as using tools like loom.com to record what she's doing as she's going through them and then creating a spreadsheet that says, okay, this is what this process is. Here's who's, who handles it. Here's the, um, the area of business that it covers so that everything's documented and then can be handed off to somebody else a lot more easily than having to bring somebody in and train them completely from scratch. And the nice thing
0: about documenting everything, first of all, is that it saves time in training somebody. However, that new person might have a better way.
1: Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the number of times that even myself, I've been hung up because I didn't want to hand off a process to somebody else, because I couldn't figure out, well, I I just can't figure out how this is supposed to look or how this is supposed to work. And so I wouldn't hand it off yet, because I had to resolve that. And then I handed it off to somebody. I'm like, I, I just, I you got to handle this because I can't anymore. And they're like, oh, this is easy here. We just do this, this, and this. And it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. So note to self, my brain just doesn't function that way for this particular project or task and somebody else's is probably a genius on this. So don't hang on to it so much. I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but uh, absolutely. You know, there's so many opportunities where other people, can do better than we can. And we have to embrace that idea. We do not know everything and let somebody else do it because there is a good chance that the things that we hate doing, somebody else loves to do and that's just their zone of genius.
0: Yeah, and even things that we're used to doing were maybe not as effective as we could be with maybe newer technologies or things that might come up that can help us do things a lot better. You know, our time is obviously really valuable and we really should be only doing what we can do and can't be done by anybody else. So I think you have some kind of a tool or resource that can help people figure out how to outsource or what to outsource or can they afford to outsource.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have a great tool on our website. You can go to can you afford to And this is just a super handy way to figure out what can you afford um, and are you really ready to start outsourcing and getting some of these things off your plate? Because there is a little bit of a mental shift to it, but it's also knowing where you are in the business process. So You can go grab that tool at CanYouAffordToOutsource.com totally free, um, of course, with a sign up, but uh, you can unsubscribe at any point in time. That's the beauty of technology. Uh, But it'll give you that head start to know where you are and what you're ready to take on.
0: I think that's really great. And the reality is, is everything we don't like to do, don't want to do, shouldn't be doing, should be outsourced to somebody else because that mainly gives us more time and more bandwidth to do the things that we only can do and can't be done by somebody else.
1: Yeah. And let me tell you, there is nothing that you will never get back besides time. Time is the only thing you can never recover. You can never get more of it. Uh, And if you are spending time doing the things that you should not be doing, that somebody else can do more beautifully than you can. You don't have that time available to do the things that only you should be doing. And that's then what holds us back
0: from actually going to our next level is because we're still stuck in doing all the
1: things that we shouldn't be doing, right? Right, right. Or even just enjoying life. I mean, you know, we don't go into business oftentimes just to be the most super successful business owner on the planet. Usually we want some freedom uh, with that too. And uh, if you're burning the the candle at both ends, you're not getting that freedom that that we often so need and desire in our lives. Absolutely, and everybody knows I'm a
0: firm believer in work-life balance, so I totally think that is really important to have. Any other parting words that
1: you have for us? Don't wait. If you, The moment you realize that you are so overwhelmed that you need to get some of the stuff off your plate, you are already behind the eight ball. Do this before you feel too overwhelmed. Uh, you will be in a better place to have better success if you do. Couldn't agree
0: with you more. Well, Nicole, I really appreciate you spending your time with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on the show. Well, my hope for our time together with Nicole is that you got value and an idea or two that will help you be even more successful professionally and personally. Feel free to share my podcast with others, as it can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries, and of course, at accountabilitycoach.com. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can also be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. And if you want more proven business success resources and tips, subscribe to my blog by going to accountabilitycoach.com forward slash blog. And always remember to aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day today and every day. I appreciate you listening.